Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Great to be with you on this loaded Thursday show. Lots to talk about all across the NBA. First of all, congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs on landing a guy I believe, and I think a lot of people believe, is one of the greatest prospects in the history of the NBA. I'm going to give you my thoughts and my sort of expectations for Victor Wimbiama, the the superstar coming out of France, uh, the the uh, prodigy, if you will, I, I, whatever words, you, whatever adjectives you want to use to describe this young man, he is, everything is advertised, and the Spurs are going to get a superstar, but I think it's going a little far saying that he's the same prospect in terms of talent LeBron James was two decades ago back in 03. I'll get to that later in the show, as well as the LA Lakers. Speaking of LeBron, Lakers go down 1-0 to the Denver Nuggets, as I predicted. I had the Lakers in six, but I had the Nuggets winning game one. But I saw something, and I think the Lakers saw something in that second half, or a few things, rather, that they're like, okay, we make one simple adjustment. They can't stop us. I've got the Lakers early prediction winning game two tonight. I'll discuss that. As well as uh, Adam Silver was talking about John Morant on the NBA's uh, draft lottery show before the Western Conference Finals began on Tuesday. And there's a few things that he said in there that I was I thought was really interesting and sort of more of my uh, take on Ja. I, I uploaded a YouTube video today with uh, me and Barry, who was on the show Monday, discussing the topic. And also gets Doc Rivers being fired by the 76ers and what direction they can go moving forward. I don't think that firing shocked anybody. So before I get to my first topic, I just want to go ahead and put it out there. Uh, I have had, I don't know what it is, I know allergies in Tennessee are statistically, just look at it, are crazy. Or, or, or I'm weak, or both. Because allergies are going nuts before we go to Florida, For me and the fam go to Florida, come back and they hit me like a ton of bricks again. It's like, I, well, what's going on right now? So if I sound odd, if I have to, you know, uh, you know, do something off to the side, so like wipe my nose or something, like just... Letting y'all know that ahead of time. But I wanted to do the show today because there's a lot to discuss, including, first, the Miami Heat taking game one in Boston against the Celtics last night by a final score of 123 to 116. It was led in part by a 45, you heard that right, 45-point quarter uh, by Miami in that third. Obviously, Jimmy Butler was was playoff Jimmy, 35 points on 12 for 25 shooting, two for four from three, including a dagger where he got like a Kawhi Leonard-like bounce to put this heat up 10 with about a minute left, which pretty much uh, put the game out of reach. Bam Adebayo gave you 20. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess gave you 30 combined. Caleb Martin gave you 15. Kyle Lowry gave you 15. And before I sort of get my take on the game, uh, you saw in sort of the description, if you're watching YouTube, if you're listening on any podcasting platform, I think I've got a new nickname that I'm going to give the Miami Heat moving forward, particularly revolving around playoff Jimmy Butler. You know, you heard the bands, uh, Tom Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, Huey Lewis and the News, Hootie and the Blowfish, right? KC and the Sunshine Band. I think I'm going to refer to the Miami Heat now as uh, Jimmy Butler and the Dark Horses. That's what I'm going to refer to Miami as now because th- this is a Miami Heat team that's missing Tyler Hero, 
that's missing Victor Oladipo and has seven undrafted players on their team. Seven undrafted players on an NFL team where there's 53 guys. I'm talking about the active roster is like, whoa. Boy, they found some diamond in the roughs. Miami's got half the rosters undrafted, which is unbelievable, and a credit to the evil genius himself, the godfather, Pat Riley. But they went in Boston last night. What I thought after watching that game, particularly in the second half, and definitely in the fourth quarter, was, man, that was a culture shock for the Celtics. Because you're playing a team in Atlanta in the first round, who we all knew Miami's, or I'm sorry, we all knew Boston was going to beat. The fact that it went six games I thought was a little concerning, but I still want the Celtics to beat Philadelphia, which they did. And I picked them in seven, very cautious optimism, seven to beat these Miami Heat. But Atlanta's bad defensively. Philadelphia's weak mentally. Miami can play defense, and they're not backing down for a second. And some blame has to be placed on Jason Tatum. Yes, he scored 30, an efficient 30. But fourth quarter is where you make your money. And he did not take a shot. Not only did he not take a shot in the fourth quarter, he had three costly turnovers, including two travels, which made me, and I tweeted during the game, man, Jason Tatum's kind of unraveling right now. Like, it's starting to feel like, uh, not, not like, is the moment too big for him? Jason Tatum's playing a lot of big basketball games over the course of his now six-year career. He's been here and he's done that. But, man, it felt like in that fourth quarter, Miami was playing loose. You had uh, Vincent and Struess and all these guys, Caleb Martin hitting big shots and Jimmy doing what Jimmy does, hitting mid-range jumpers, hitting that crazy three at the end of the shot clock with a minute left in the game. And you got Tatum kind of, Kind of fading a little bit. And I'm, a t- I'm as big of a Tatum defender as there is. I think with a championship, he is undeniably a top five player in basketball. Because you'd be talking about a guy who's got to back-to-back finals, been first team All-NBA the last two years, and led his team to a championship. That's a pretty good resume minus an MVP. Like you'd have to put Jason Tatum in that discussion with a title. Even if Boston gets to the finals, depending on how he plays and how he contributes to them getting there. But Jalen Brown, turnovers. And something else too. And I was watching the game. Last night, and I'm like, this has to be, I said the last round, and I I ended up being very wrong about this when I predicted my Lakers to beat the, I'm sorry, my Warriors, God, no, not Lakers, my Warriors to beat the Lakers in seven games in the second round. And I said the the reason, the big reason I picked them was the gap between Kerr and Darvin Ham, and it turns out it was more of a draw. Like, Kerr maybe didn't have the horses to run with in terms of adjustments. Ham did and made the adjustments. Credit to him. I changed my opinion. This is the biggest gap between coaches in the NBA playoffs. By far. We're talking about Joe Missoula, who was obviously came into Boston, came into that head coaching role under unforeseen circumstances with the Ime Odoka situation against an Eric Spolstra, who today, this is hard to believe, is the second longest tenured head coach in basketball to Greg Popovich. Like, that's that's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Like, it's it's Pop, Spo, and Kerr are the three longest tenured guys. But that's what it is. He's got two championship rings, five finals appearances, and is consistently excellent in the postseason. Like, we talk about Pat Riley fighting diamond uh, guys that are diamond in the rough, but Spo's got to get the best out of them. Jimmy has to get the best out of them. Kyle Lowry... Uh, you know, to a certain degree, Bam out of bio. In that third quarter, in which Miami scored 45 points, Boston did not use a single timeout. Like, what are you doing? Okay, Miami can't miss from three. They're getting out in transition. Jimmy's getting it going. The Again, the shooters are getting going. Why the heck? Bro, timeout. Like, the crowd is, it's one of those things like, you're in Boston, crowd's on your side. It's not like, Miami's making shots. All the crowds get into it. It's getting louder. The roof's about to come off the place. No, it's actually getting quieter. Okay, because the Celtics fans are like, man, what, what's going on after how he played in that first half? Up double digits. Like, you, you, you if, if you're Joe Missoula, you've got to have a good feel for what, what is going on in the game and a good feel for where your team's at psychologically in terms of their body language. Boston's body language was horrible in that second half. And how Joe Missoula isn't able to see that is really, I'm sorry, Boston was not up double digits. They were up nine uh, at the half, but close. But Missoula's got to make that adjustment. And that's something that is a little concerning as these as this series goes on now. 
Game two is tomorrow night. I think Boston wins convincingly. Right, Miami, it's kind of like Golden State and the Lakers. It's kind of like uh, we've seen series in which a team steals game one at home or on the road. They've done their job. They stole home court advantage. Game two, they're like, okay, let's see what happens. And then we just mail it in if it's a blowout in the second half. Like, this is a must-win game for Boston. Miami, I mean, knowing them, you know, who's, who's to say they won't steal one? Especially considering how bad at home Boston's been in the playoffs over the last couple of years. I actually trust them more on the road than I do at the TD Garden. But Boston has to win. Miami, there's no pressure whatsoever for game two. You see what happens in game three and four uh, in South Beach. I feel like Boston wins in blowout fashion. But I felt like they kind of needed this sort of loss to maybe wake them up a little bit. Again, Atlanta in the first round, it's Atlanta. Okay, they're awful defensively. One guy can beat you, and his name is Trey Young. And he did in game five. Like, Atlanta was never any threat to Boston. They got whatever they wanted offensively. Second round, Philadelphia, way better than Atlanta. But, man, at the slightest bit of adversity, they crumbled. Bede, Harden, Doc, all of them. And everybody else else that P.J. Tucker really follows. This is kind of a culture shot moment for Boston. We'll see how they respond. I think they win game two. I still hold tight to the belief that this will be a seven-game series. And I'll, I'll still, you know, cautiously take the Celtics. I'm not a guy who changes my pick in the middle of a series. I don't believe in that. Pick integrity is something that's, that is very near and dear to my heart. But maybe this is what Boston needed. As for Miami, hats off. This is what they do. I, I don't know. I don't know what what it's going to take from this point on for people to buy into these Miami Heat. Or really, the Miami Heat. Remember last year they were the number one seed in the East, got to Game Seven, the Finals. No one really ever bought into them. I mean, just th- three years ago they were in the Finals. Okay, Philly ain't been to the Finals. Boston's only been to one Finals. Milwaukee's been to one and won a championship to their credit. But all the teams we talk about and get all this publicity, the Knicks, all these teams we talk about in the East. They've had near the success. Outside of Milwaukee, who has a championship in that stretch since 2020, they've had near the success that Boston does. I think I saw, like, Jimmy Butler has the second or third most playoff wins since 2020 of any player in the NBA, more than even Steph and LeBron. Like, that's that's who Jimmy is. That's playoff Jimmy. That's heat culture. And, listen, I said coming out of the All-Star break, I always do my pretenders and contenders. The one I changed my pick on, or I should say two, was the Suns. I went from contender to pretender uh, around the playoff start because I'm like, okay, I don't like what I'm seeing. Uh, to rely on Booker and KD. And for the Lakers, I went from pretender to about a month later, I'm like, holy crap, this team's good. They're a contender. And we see there today, I'll be- best talk about Lakers Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. But since late February, I have bought in this Miami team. I said they were a contender, said they'd have a good chance to win their first round series. And beat anybody out east. If you're Boston, you're you're kind of you're kind of thinking you're lucky stars that Atlanta beat Miami in the playing game so that you didn't have to face them until the conference finals. Because had Miami won, it would have been Boston versus Miami in the first round as opposed to winner goes to the NBA finals. So <sighs> playoff Jimmy, man. It's like it's like when he hit that shot with the minute left, I'm like, of course, of course, of course it went in. Of course. Jimmy Butler is one of those rare guys. Where, I mean, it's it's a smallest of players in the history of the NBA. Like, we're talking like Michael LeBron stuff. Where you're really good in the regular season. Now, those guys, Bron, Michael, the two greatest players of all time. I don't think it's it's even arguable. But Jimmy's good, really, really good. Like, all-star level in the regular season. And then just goes into a different mode in the, in the, in the postseason. Like, what you normally want from your superstars is for them to... Stay true to what they are in terms of their production, in terms of their consistency. Now, you want Steph Curry to be Steph Curry. You want him to average 29, 6, and 6, shoot over 40% from three. You want LeBron to give you 27, 8, and 9. Like, you, you want those kind of numbers. For, you want Jokic to give you around 25, 12, and 9. Like, oh, Jimmy gets better. Like, way better. You look at his regular season career numbers to his postseason, it's night and day. Philadelphia, and I'll get to the Sixers later in the show, firing Doc Rivers. Uh, I Listen, I'm a Tennessee guy, Tennessee Vols guy, so I'm always going to be loyal to my to, to, to VFLs, to Tobias Harris, who happens to be one of them. 
man, Philadelphia really made a mistake in choosing Tobias over Jimmy. See where the Heat are, see where the Sixers are. Still have yet to make a conference finals. Jimmy Butler, since leaving the Sixers, has gone to three, including one NBA finals. And this year, TBD, he may make it back again. I do want to move on, though, to the Western Conference Finals. Lakers Nuggets. I had Lakers in six. Feels confident about that as ever. Because I had Denver winning game one. And as I'm watching that game in the first half, first of all, Nikola Jokic is just... I still hold very strongly and don't back off it for a second that he should not have won league MVP the last two years, back in 21 and in 22. But this dude is moving into top three NBA player on planet Earth status, if he isn't there already. What he was doing, now Anthony Davis had a big game as well. He, he dropped 40. Like, let's give props to AD. Like, I, I gave the nickname Coin Flip Davis. I don't know if he heard that. But ever since I gave him that nickname, he's it's landed on tails, which I don't believe in tails never fails, by the way. I, I think that's BS. Uh, that hasn't landed on tails, but like once or twice since I made that remark. So I, I'm starting to wonder if AD might have heard me. But AD was great. But defensively, he had no answer for Jokic. And the Lakers had no answer for Jokic, although I think there's a key adjustment they need to make in the next game tonight to stop him, although I'll get to the first adjustment in a second. But Jokic... 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists. Now, credit to the Lakers. Jokic, I think, only scored three in the fourth quarter. So they, for the most part, at least as a scorer, held him in check. Now, part of what makes Jokic so great is because being a scorer is not the only thing he does well. Uh, matter of fact, the thing he probably does better than anybody is get others involved. But if you would have told me, if I were a Lakers fan, which just because I wear that jer wore that jersey on Monday, I lost a bet. I will never, never ever be a Lakers fan. But if I were, and you told me heading into game one, okay, your team is going to have by far, you're the best defense in the NBA, and you're going to have by far your worst defensive performance in the postseason. Not even close. Giving up, giving up 132 points. Nikola Jokic is going to be the best player on the floor in this particular game. Jamal Murray, playoff Murray, is going to pour in another 31. You're going to get big contributions for guys like Bruce Brown, who gave you 16 off the bench and great defense, might I add, on uh, D'Angelo Russell. You're going to have Contavious Colwell Pope, KCP, gave you 21. Michael Porter Jr. giving you a double-double, 15 and 10. You're at home. This is the Nuggets are. All of that happens. You're down as many as 21 in the game. Again, aforementioned, Bruce Brown shuts down D'Angelo Russell. And it was a three-point game with a minute left. What? You could say, well, yeah, AD scored 40. Well, yeah, LeBron gave you uh, uh, 26 and 12 and 9, almost a triple-double. Austin Reeves gave you 23. Really, it might be those are the three best players in the Lakers. But I'm sitting back today, and I'm like, I feel great if I'm a Lakers fan. I'm just coming off a six-game grueling series against the defending champs. This team was way more well-rested than I was. They're at home. They're up as many as 21. Virtually everybody who put on a Denver Nuggets uniform played amazing. We were down three for the, with a, a minute left. I feel great about where I'm at. And I'll tell you something, too. Darvin Ham, who I've attacked for his lack of adjustments, is starting to rewrite a new narrative about himself in that regard. Did you notice what the Lakers were doing? And I'm glad Draymond Green talked about it on his podcast. I was actually talking to Barry, Barry Grant Jr., co-founder of The Grid, host of the All Even Podcast. He was on the show Monday. We were talking about it after the game. Lakers just kept going at Jamal Murray in the pick and roll. And I think you're going to continue to see that. Remember, if you look at the tape, last year, now there was no Jamal Murray last year for the Nuggets, but when they faced my Warriors in the first round, in crunch time, last couple minutes of the game, especially if you look at game three, game four, even game five, Golden State and Steph Curry in particular just kept going at Nikola Jokic in the high pick and roll. Because as great as Jokic is in the offensive end, he's a liability on the defensive end of the floor. That's inarguable. Like, he can't stay with Steph. He can't stay with LeBron. 
And if you're able to extend them beyond the three-point line, now you create other mismatches, mismatches on the perimeter and in the interior, down low. You saw the Lakers continue to attack that, particularly with Jamal Murray. I think you're going to see it more with Nikola Jokic, depending on who's on the floor, you know, for the Lakers and for the Nuggets. I think you're going to see, see them continue to do that. And the second thing is, and I didn't necessarily see them make this adjustment. I think they're going to need to if they want to win this series. They have got to stop, stop doubling Jokic in the, in, in the paint. Have to. Especially if Anthony Davis is on him. Now, if Rui Hachimura is on him, Okay, it depends on the personnel in terms of shooters that the Nuggets have on the floor, but still, I'd be very weary about doing that. Jokic is at his, I don't want to say least effective or least dangerous because he's a great player. Your best chance to beat the Nuggets, if Jokic is playing well, is for him to be a scorer and nothing else. You think about, I'm looking at Denver when they played game four against the Phoenix Suns in the last round. In the second round. Okay, Nikola Jokic had 53 points. 10 assists. This game, he had 14 assists. And the big difference in that is if you double Jokic early in the game, like you got Anthony Davis on him, and you send Austin Reeves to double, when all of a sudden that leaves KCP open, and KCP's an excellent shooter, or that leaves Bruce Brown open, or it leaves Jamal Murray open, depending on who comes in doubles. Or that leaves uh, Aaron Gord open for a, a slip-through dunk. It allows other guys to get involved, to build their confidence. And also, it allows, if those guys get going, now you're leaving Jokic one-on-one and he can go to work. And if you double, he's kicking it to a shooter who's got all the confidence in the world. Like, man, I've knocked down these last couple shots. I'm going to knock this one down. So essentially, let Jokic get his, stop everybody else. Because if Jokic and Murray are rolling, Denver's a hard team to beat. That's why they're the number one seed this year in the Western Conference. So those are the two adjustments, in my view. Certainly the first one, which I think you saw Darvin Ham make. I think it's it's the bread and butter to beating the Nuggets. It's what my Warriors did last year in the first round, particularly in late-game situations. It's what you saw the Lakers do in the second half yesterday, or Tuesday, rather. You're going to see that a lot tonight. Game two tips off at 8.30 Eastern on ESPN. I, I do not like this line at all. Denver minus five and a half. I, I've got Lakers by 15. I think they win this game convincingly. Uh, so yeah, I'm absolutely taking the Lakers of the points. Uh, five and a half feels like way too much. I mean, did you, did you notice too? And I hate, God, I hate being a Lakers apologist on my show or a Lakers defender. Makes me sick as a Warriors fan. But I have to call it like I see it. Did you see Mike Malone, who I have high regard for as a head coach. I think he's one of the more underrated guys in the NBA. Did you see him after the game? I think it was today, yesterday or today, at Nuggets practice or shoot-around, whatever it was. And he was saying that, uh, talking about the Lakers and, oh, did they really make an adjustment? We won the game. Like, oh, they're, they're awful confident to be down 1-0. It's like, buddy, it's 1-0. It's not 3-0. It's not 3-1. You're not a win away from advancing. Like, you're awful. Like, it's kind of like projecting confidence when you don't really have any. Kind of beating your chest, speaking big and bad when the best confidence is either silent confidence or what's the word I'm looking for? Subtle confidence. Maybe that's the word. Subtle confidence. Uh, Michael Malone did not express that whatsoever. So that tells me he's a little nervous. Just a little. I got a couple comments from John John. He's got the dog emojis. I think he's talking about because I saw John John fan perspective podcast. Shout out to him. Um, I think he put a post on social media talking about Miami Heat or dogs. <sighs> you know, you don't have to tell me twice. That's the brand. That's who they are. Just... And, and, and the Nuggets and the Lakers, hey, they're all dogs, but not like Miami. If you don't believe in the Heat culture, I can't help you. Uh, but I do want to move on, though, to I'm really looking forward to getting into, into this because it's kind of been the talk of the NBA absent the playoffs over the last 48 hours or so. So, I was on a podcast with my guy, uh, Adam, who was on the Grid Network's draft show a month ago. Uh, Adam, he's got a great show, The NFL with AGL, I believe is what his... I want to make sure I'm getting the channel right, because I don't want to mess it up, because he's got a great show, great content. Um, Let me make sure, because, like I said, I I don't want to... Yeah, The NFL with AGL, check out his stuff. I was on his show on... uh, 
on Tuesday live as the draft lotteries go on. So as soon as I got off, I'm like, okay, who won the lottery? And I saw it was the San Antonio Spurs, which means, of course, they are going to take the prodigy Victor Wimbenyama out of France. And I think there's two layers to this that I wanted to really dive into. One was, or one is, what are my personal expectations from Wimbenyama, given what I've seen, given what scouts have said for the last year, two years, and then the second thing is the comparison between he and LeBron James, because as the case, any sort of young uh, player that we've never really seen a game quite like theirs is going to be compared to LeBron James in 2003 when he came out of high school, St. Vincent, St. Mary's High School. Something that I saw, you know, I'll, I'll say that for later. When I was talking about... Uh, when I was seeing what scouts and what others were saying about Victor Wimbenyama, about his height, look, I'm I I keep trying to find what his height is. Basketball Reference says seven foot two, about two hundred thirty pounds. Uh, you know, others have said he's seven five. I test he looks seven five, but I could be dead wrong. Like maybe it's seven five in shoes, like seven two and a half ish, seven three, uh, without shoes. I don't know. Depends on what shoes he wears. Who knows. Who, he's, who he signs with. Is it Nike? Is it you know, Adidas? Whoever. But just off the numbers, last year, Victor Wimbenyama averaged 22 a game on 47% shooting with 10 rebounds and three blocks. So clearly he's, he's, he's good at uh, using his size to his advantage. And he's, we've seen, excuse me, we've seen uh, videos from overseas where he's shooting like these one-legged threes where it's like, I mean, this guy's, we, we hear the word. I remember the first time I heard unicorn was used for Kristaps Porzingis, who's around Wimbenyama's height. Uh, never really panned out to what we thought he'd be, but was we never really see anything quite like him with the New York Knicks. And when he played, I believe it's from Latvia, if I'm not mistaken. Point being, if scouts have been touting this guy for two years, if He's as advertised in terms of his talent as far as what I've seen from social media clips. I'm not I mean, listen, I'm not gonna sit up here and lie and act like I've watched, you know, every single game this guy's played. I've never watched a full game that Wimby Yama's played. I'm gonna rely on the scouts, I'm gonna rely on the eye test. And for what I've said, what I've seen, what the numbers say, what the scouts say, good lord, this kid is amazing. I think the Spurs struck gold with him. Briefly on the Spurs. Look, this is an organization that we've all known has been one of the more well run over the past quarter century. They have five championships in that span. But over the last four years, since 2019, that was their last playoff appearance. They have yet to get back to that stage. And obviously last year, they were among the worst teams in the NBA, which is why they're in this position, to get Wimby. And they gave them, they're, they're going to get him, obviously, with the number one pick. Wimby could not have asked for a better place to go in terms of player development. Now, obviously, Pop isn't going to be there for the long run that he's there. Uh, in San Antonio, we assume. Uh, I've I've been a critic of Pop in terms of, is he really the greatest, co like in that discussion of greatest coach ever, I've, I've had a hard time kind of buying into that. I think it's absolutely Phil Jackson. I, I, I don't love Phil Jackson personally whatsoever, but I can't deny his impact on the game in terms of the teams he's coached. But the second Tim Duncan left San Antonio, what's Pop been? It's kind of like when Tom Brady left New England, what's Belichick? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like he's just kind of another coach. And so, but as far as the player development team, Monte Ginobili's still in the organization. Tim Duncan, I don't know if he's still in the coaching staff in San Antonio. I know he's, he still lives uh, in San Antonio, Texas. An opportunity to, to maybe mentor the young kid. Obviously, Duncan was the number one overall pick out of Wake Forest in the 90s. And was a guy who really helped catapult that Spurs dynasty. So you have that aspect of it as well. So the Spurs, for Wimby, he could have went to Detroit. He could have went to Houston, which I think is, is, is going in the right direction. But there's, there's still a ways to go. He could have went to Orlando. He could have went to, he almost went to Charlotte. He could have went to Portland. Could not have asked for a better destination. The Spurs are going to be patient. They have a great player development team. 
I'll tell you this about the Spurs. No organization has better international scouts than San Antonio. Like, it's not even a contest. Think about all the greats that have, I mean, Tim Duncan is not an, you know, he came for the Virgin Islands. Tim Duncan came for the Virgin Islands, so they had to go scout him. They had to go get uh, Monty Ginobili from Argentina. Tony Parker, who I've always made the case of one of the more overrated point guards ever. Point is, he came from France. Uh, Boris Diaw also came from France. Uh, Patty Mills, Australia. So, in terms of finding talent overseas, no organization does it better than the Spurs. And I have to give them love uh, where it's deserved in that regard. So he couldn't ask for a better organization to go to in terms of the development. What I expect from him, given what scouts are saying, given what my eye test has said, given what the numbers say, what would be a successful meet-the-expectations career for Victor Wimbanyama? For me, top 15 players of all time. That's what I got. Does that mean if he has, I heard this analogy yesterday, if he has, like, Akeem Olajuwon's career. Like, Akeem Olajuwon's one of the greatest players of all time. I believe he won an MVP, couple championships, defensive player of the year. Probably the greatest defensive player of all time. I don't, I don't think Wimby's necessarily going to be that, although he could. He averaged three blocks in France. That would be a successful career. If he's Kevin Garnett, and I love Kevin Garnett, but I don't think he's one of the 15 greatest players ever. He's more like top 20, top 25. It will by no means be a failed career. Ke- Kevin Garnett was a great player. All-time great. Was the best player on one of the better teams of all time, the 08 Celtics. But we never talk about Kevin Garnett as one of the icons of the sport, like we do Akeem, like we do Wilt who I think is just outside the top 10. Jerry West, who's the freaking logo. KD, who I think is right at number 15, if not 16. That would be a successful career. I don't think Wimby needs to be Tim Duncan. You know, a guy who's basically following the footsteps of in San Antonio. I don't think he needs to be Larry Bird. I don't think he needs to be Magic Johnson or Steph Curry or definitely doesn't have to be LeBron, Michael, or Kareem. Now that, that to me is too high. Like, if you're expecting him to be the, what, a Mount Rushmore guy, that, that's 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 going too far. He's, he's a 19-year-old kid. Like, we got to see him play a dribble in the NBA first. But given his talent, given what he's shown an ability to do as a teenager, given his size, his length, ability to score with ease, why can't he be one of the 15 greatest players of all time? So if I'm doing this podcast in 20 years and Victor Wimbanyama isn't in that discussion, at least in the discussion, if not firmly in it, the top 15, to me he will have had a underwhelming career given my expectations. Doesn't mean he had a bad career. If, again, if he has Kevin Garnett's career, if he has Carl Malone's career, it's a good career. Doesn't mean he's you know necessarily met my expectations, but it's a good career. But the second thing I wanted to address, without a doubt, was, or is, the comparisons between him and LeBron. Now, I think there's two separate discussions we need to have about the two as prospects. We're not talking about LeBron James now, in year 20, doing what he's doing, or even prime LeBron. We're talking about 17, 18-year-old LeBron James, St. Vincent, St. Mary's High School in Akron, Ohio. We're talking about that LeBron James, 2002-2003 LeBron James. We're talking about 2023 Victor Wimbanyama. To me, it's two separate discussions to have on more interesting prospect and best prospect. More interesting, to me, it's absolutely Wimby. Because for me, LeBron was, at that age, folks were looking at, looking at him, talking about him like, okay, because obviously we all know about the chosen one thing with Sports Illustrated, but he was in high school a bigger, more athletic Magic Johnson. Like he's listed and has been since he was in high school as a forward. He's always had point guard skills. He can handle the ball. He's one of the greatest passers in the history of the game. We we had a comp to uh to LeBron James. Who's the comp for for Wimby? Uh, I, I mean, some have said Kevin Durant. I think their games are totally different. 
Katie's more agile. Katie's obviously not the height that that Wimbenyama is. Not quite as long. I I I don't I don't know what the comparison is between him and an NBA great. So he's the more fascinating. Like we've never seen anybody quite like him. And given the obviously it's, it's a totally different NBA now than when LeBron came in. It's far more of a three point shooters league, more of a a league. Uh, Defense isn't quite as important. The rules change. It's officiated differently, coached differently. We've never seen anything like Victor. So that, that's why, to me, he's the more fascinating prospect coming into the league. Better? Better? I don't think that's a discussion. I saw, and I had the quote pull up here on my computer, from Adrian Wojnarowski, the probably he, either he or Shams, the, listen, the Shams Woj battles during the draft and during free agency, are, and at the trade deadline, by the way, are, are legendary. But Woj was saying on ESPN, I have the quote right here, I'm looking at it. He was talking about Wimby. He said, quote, This is the most highly anticipated player to ever enter the NBA. And this is maybe not the only greatest prospect in NBA history, maybe the greatest prospect in the history of team sports. That is a bridge too far. I saw a, I saw this on social media. I think it was yesterday. If it wasn't yesterday, it was the day before, but I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. It was when ESPN did a LeBron James game. If I'm not mistaken, it was when they played Oak Hill. Remember when Oak Hill was loaded? I think they had Mello, Carmelo Anthony, loaded roster. And LeBron led St. Vincent, St. Mary's High School to a, to a win over Oak Hill. Like that's that's incredible. That that was kind of like the big welcome to a, to American uh, sort of recognition. LeBron James game when ESPN did a LeBron game, there was a promo. You can look this up on YouTube, where the guy calling the game. I, I wish I could give him credit because I, I recognize his voice. He used to do Sunday Night Baseball and he he does uh, college basketball now and calls games for the Toronto Blue Jays. But he was he was saying something along the lines of. Some of the great players in NBA history have been known by one name. And he was talking about Wilt, Russell, Kareem, Magic, Larry, Michael. Uh, and then he, he ended with Shaq, Kobe. And then it had a highlight reel of LeBron James. And then it just said LeBron. Before he'd taken a dribble in the NBA. They were already saying, yeah, we're years from now, we're going to just know him as LeBron. If you say LeBron, everybody knows who you're going to be talking about. He hasn't even been drafted yet. He hasn't, he hasn't graduated high school. And we're already talking about him in those terms. LeBron James walked into the NBA. His first game scored 25. I'm pretty sure it was 25. It was, he put like an all-star stat line at 18 years old. Again. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He was deemed the chosen one. Again, forget what he's been in his career. Forget the last 20 years ever happened. We're just talking about the prospects. Well, LeBron James did in high school. Why do you think there was so much hype? Some of it, I will acknowledge, was because there was no social media back then. There was no Twitter or Instagram like we have to watch Wimbenyama highlights. Like we have, by the way, to watch Scoot Henderson, who's going to be then the second overall pick. There was so much fascination. ESPN brought their number one college basketball crew. They brought, I'm forgetting the announcer's name, the lead announcer, and then they brought Dick Vitale and Jay Billis to watch a high schooler. And hyping him up as a guy that we will recognize by one name. Talking about Kareem and Larry and Shaq and Kobe and Michael. And then they said LeBron. Before he played a dribble in the NBA, before he was even in the NBA. 
There's levels to this. That, my friends, is the greatest prospect ever. More interesting, I think it's Wimby. Because we've never seen a player like him. But greatest? Did you see what Sonny Vaccaro? Remember they just made that new movie about him, Air, starring Matt Damon? You heard the story about what Sonny Vaccaro said when he went to his first, well, the first time he saw LeBron James play in high school? He went to see LeBron play. By the way, for those of you who don't know, Sonny Vaccaro, uh, for Vaccaro is the guy who basically got the, the Jordan shoes, uh, shoe deal with uh, Phil Knight and Nike. That's him. He's the mastermind. He went to see LeBron James play in high school. About midway through the game, he walked out of the gym. And people think, oh, this, oh, that's not good. They're like, oh, that's, does he not, does he not like what he sees? When he took the cab or whatever he's uh, driving in back to his hotel, back to the airport, his wife finally asked him, like, what's up? He said, I've never seen a player like that. That's all he needed to see was a half of basketball from a high schooler. Most, most fascinating is Wimbenyama. Greatest prospect? It's LeBron James. For the record, I would argue as far as greatest prospect, Kareem's number two, not Wimby. I think it's Kareem. You got to remember, I always say, LeBron, in my view, is the greatest player ever, followed by Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. To me, the, the top two, I don't think, is even an argument. And I'm not really sure number three is even an argument with Kareem. He's got six championships and six MVPs. Okay, for four decades, he was the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. That's got to count for something. Okay, Magic never won a title without Kareem. But you talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you want to talk about success in high school, college, NBA, just talking about success, Kareem's the greatest player ever. Okay, because he won three championships in high school, three in college, only lost two games in college uh, basketball. And by combined like three points or something crazy, like within a single basket at UCLA, and then you saw the success he had in the NBA. So I'd argue Kareem's two behind LeBron, not Wim Yama. That's that's what I'm looking at. Let's see a few comments here from John Rivera. Pa, uh, John said, "Pop not retiring anytime soon." <laughs> I think if he was considering retirement, this talked him right out of it. Uh, them going out and getting, or not getting, winning the lottery to get Wimby. He is, uh, and John just says, best place for him. I agree. And John just says, nah, you too young. Braun had this much hype without the internet, so imagine. That's a great point. That's a great point. I, I, I'm just talking about, again, in terms of interesting, the reason, again, the only reason I say Wimby's more interesting, he's not the better prospect, but more interesting, is because, again, LeBron was viewed as sort of a more athletically gifted Magic Johnson. Like, he had all of those big point guard-type skills. Like, great defender, uh, set his teammates up, got better. I think, actually, I'll have to go back and check. I'm pretty sure his points per game average went down from his junior year to his senior year, and his assist totals went up because he wanted to get others involved. Like, that's that's always been LeBron's game, and he's taken a lot of heat over it for two decades because people you know, like to... Just look over the fact, like, oh, Jordan took the shot. Where it's like, well, you know, Jordan did pass to Paxton. You know, John Paxton in, in the 93 finals to win it against the Suns. He did pass to Steve Kerr to win the 97 finals over the Jazz. Like, Michael passed to teammates. LeBron passes to teammates. It's just a matter of whether, whether or not their teammates make the shot. Like, that's that's just what it is. So, but yeah, greatest prospect. I, I Yeah, John John sort of hit, uh, hit on it in the comments. We've never seen anything quite like LeBron, uh, just from a pure prospect standpoint. They call him the chosen one at 16 years old. Like I don't think, I don't think a whole lot more needs to be said uh, in that regard. Moving to Philadelphia, where uh, boy, a week can change things, can it? A week ago today, the Philadelphia 76ers had a home game six. With all the momentum, they just stole Game 5 on the road in Boston. Embiid had won MVP. Harden had played amazing in the series. It's all, it's a feel-good story for the 76ers. One week ago today, they beat Boston at home in a game in which Jason Tatum missed 13 of his first 14 shots. They'd be on to the Eastern Conference Finals, and today, or tomorrow rather, they'd be playing basketball. A week later, the coach is no more. 
in Philadelphia, Doc Rivers has been fired by the 76ers. Now, I said on social media when Philadelphia went down in Game 7, I said this was the least surprising, the least shocking second-round exit of the playoffs. To me, given Doc's history of blowing leads in series, given Harden's extensive history of not coming up big in big spots in the postseason, particularly in season clinching, series clinching games, and in a growing sense, Joel Embiid's history. This is now the third game seven Joel Embiid has lost in the second round. 2019 lost in that walk off shot by Kawhi. 2021 lost when Trey Young had an awful game seven. Kevin Herter, who's now a Sacramento King, played big in that game. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And at home, the Sixers lost a game seven against Atlanta with a chance to play Milwaukee in the conference finals. And then you look at this year, losing a game seven badly and playing badly against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference uh, semifinals. Doc Rivers is now no longer the coach. To me, I don't think this, look, I don't think this surprised anybody given the, again, Doc's history. I, I've always said I, I love Doc as a person, but I've never seen a coach live more off of a title that he won 15 years ago. By the way, one title. It's all Doc's got than Doc Rivers. Never seen anything like it. I don't know who's going to pick him up. Maybe as an assistant. Maybe as a head coach. Maybe I've suggested this. Maybe ESPN or TNT or somebody picks him up. NBA TV picks him up as a broadcaster. Like he used to be in that business. Wouldn't shock me if he went back in it again. He's really good at it. But where does Philly go from here? Because now this is an organization that's in complete turmoil. Their head coach is no, no longer there. It appears as if their GM, Daryl Morey, is going to be there for the long run, which I do agree with that decision. I think Daryl Morey is a very good general manager. James Harden, we have to, we don't know what, what's going on with him. A report came out yesterday that he had something to do with the, the Doc Rivers firing and that he's he reportedly wants a four-year deal. If I'm Philadelphia, I'm really skeptical about giving him that, given the fact that he seems to just decline year after year as a player and given his playoff history. And now... What's up with Embiid? Like, there are reports about maybe he forces a trade. If, if, if Harden leaves, maybe he forces a trade. Now you don't know what's up with your best player. So, listen, a few months from now, we could be looking back at this and laughing and be like, ah, oh, you know, we thought Philadelphia was in trouble. Yeah, they ended up hiring, you know, Monty Williams as their head coach. They, they ended up uh, moving James Harden like a sign-in trade for a great player. Who knows? To me, Monty Williams has got to be in that discussion. Mark, I don't know if Mark Jackson works with, I think he works way better with Milwaukee than he does with Philadelphia. Because I would argue Embiid's biggest flaw in his game is it's too stagnant. Like you throw the ball to Embiid, it's a jab step, jab step, or back somebody down, just keep backing down, fake, fake, pump fake, spin, fake, go up for a shot, and he bleeds like eight seconds off the shot clock if he even has eight seconds. And Mark Jackson, considering, and listen, I'm a Warriors fan, so I love Mark Jackson. Uh, but part of the reason Kerr has been more successful than Mark Jackson is because Coach Jackson was more of a ISO guy. Loved the pick and roll. Now, Steve Kerr increasingly has gone more with the pick and roll with Steph, whether it be with Looney or with Draymond. But Kerr got the most out of Steph and definitely the most out of Clay with this sort of five-out motion offense. That's kind of what Philadelphia needs, and I don't think Mark Jackson can necessarily supply that need in Philadelphia. So I think Monty Williams makes sense. You look at the culture he built in Phoenix when everybody looked at, Phoenix was a laughing stock. Phoenix wasn't relevant really out since 2010. That was an irrelevant franchise. In the days of Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire and Mike D'Antoni and Steve Kerr, ironically, as the GM. Those days felt long gone. 
He had some lean years with, I remember Eric Bledsoe and when Devin Booker first came in the organization, we looked at Book like, man, he is really talented. He scored 70 in a game against the Boston Celtics, but, you know, just kind of a score and not much more than that. Monty comes in in 2019. The Suns are good enough to make the bubble in uh, in Orlando. They go 8-0 in the bubble, came, come back close to making the playoffs, and that sort of built the momentum. They got Chris Paul, made the finals the next year. Last year won 65 games until they just totally collapsed against Dallas in Game 7. And then this year they take a further step back, losing a blowout fashion in Game 6 to, to Denver. And then they obviously don't have the depth they used to have. So if there's anything we know about Monty Williams, certainly with his history in Phoenix, he is a culture builder. And that is what Philadelphia needs. They need stability with their best player, and they need stability with their coach. Can their coach possibly provide, if it's Monty Williams, stability with their best player? And thus stability with the rest of the team, the organization. So I, I think Monty makes all the sense in the world for Philadelphia. Uh, I am not aware if they have interviewed anybody to this point. I'm sure they've got some so, some people uh, change of mind. But, man, that, that, that one to me makes the most sense. A couple comments. Uh, John Rivera, uh, Doc is a good coach, but not great. Uh, I agree with you. And, again, I'm not going to try and paint this notion that Doc's a bad coach. I mean, look. You know, he's been good enough to help his teams uh, build these big leads in the playoffs. In 2020, they were just a win away three times from the Western Conference Finals, but just can't finish them, can't make the necessary adjustments to do so. John, John, that's why Harden is going to get paid because, uh, because if not, Embiid is leaving. Unless, again, you can orchestrate a sign-in trade. That's the only thing I can see happening in, in which you're able to pair and bead with a co-star. They've got other assets, Maxi, Tobias Harris, but you have to include an, a borderline all-star level player, which today is James Harden. So Daryl Morey is, is, is one of the smarter GMs of the league. I think he's capable of making that happen, but it remains to be seen. Last topic of the day. A little bit of a shorter show, but last topic of the day. This is, you know, kind of this. It feels like the story that 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 never ends. The uh, the John Morant situation in uh, in Memphis. First of all, I, I, I'll get into Adam Silver in just a second. I did want to address something that JJ Reddick said, and you guys know I'm a huge JJ Reddick fan as a broadcaster. Uh, I think he is exactly what the NBA media needs in that he's kind of confrontational, which the NBA media desperately needs. Doesn't care what anybody thinks about his opinions and brings solid facts to the table. I think he's great for the NBA media. But he was talking on, I, I want to get his quote uh, here from what he was talking about John Morant because I, th I thought he brought up a an interesting point that I, I kind of wanted to address. Uh, pull up J.J. Reddick's uh, quote on John Morant. Okay, so this, is, so this is what he said. He was on first take yesterday. J.J. Reddick was, and he said, quote, I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm not saying there should be no punishment. There should be consequences. You are the face of the league. You are representing the NBA. You are a role model to young kids. All of that. I don't think getting suspended for half the season is the right answer. And then he goes on. We've got mass shooting after mass shooting and nobody's doing a thing about it. So I get why everyone is sensitive right now. But there's no consequence for this and Greg Abbott telling his constituents that they should go buy more guns, that we should have more mass shooting after mass shooting in Texas. There's no consequence for an elected Tennessee official to send out Christmas card, a Christmas card holding AR-15s with his young fam family and there's a shooting in his very district. There's no consequences to that. So why are we trying to lay down the hammer on a 23-year-old who didn't break a law? Explain that to me. Okay. So, and I, I said this on Instagram yesterday in my stories, and maybe I'll put it as a, as a permanent story on my account. I always say on my show, two things can be true. The first thing is that when it comes to what J.J. Reddick was saying about Governor Abbott, about certain lawmakers in my state of Tennessee, he is 100% right. Their actions over the long course of time, have shown 
They do not care about mass shootings. They've been very, heck, they've been outspoken about it. Now they don't care to tell you if, you know, kids getting murdered in school or people getting murdered in a supermarket or church or wherever. It obviously does not bother them enough to make change. You, again, actions speak way louder than words in my view, and they do not, they have not, their actions have not uh, mirrored their words. I've been very vocal about that, my show. There's, if there's one, if there's one issue I, 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 I really, really passionate about, it's gun violence in America. So JJ is 100% right about that. Here's the problem, though, with the analogy he's using between that and Ja's situation. First of all, Ja and all NBA players, all employees of any company anywhere in America, abide by different rules than our politicians do. I've, I've, you know, I think we all have a huge issue with the fact that there aren't really that many guardrails as to what a politician can or cannot do and how much accountability they have to face for it. But the reality is, and he's talking about Ja didn't break a law. He didn't. He's If he was in Memphis, which I assume he is, and more on Memphis in just a second, but if he was in Memphis on that IG Live video, I, trust me, I live in Tennessee. It's an open carry state. By doing that, he was not breaking the law. But let me use this analogy. If you work for a company and you do something that doesn't break a law, you're not going to jail for it, you're not going to have to stand trial for it, but you do something that breaks company policy. You get in trouble for it. But you keep your job. You have a talk with your boss. You have a discussion about it. You serve whatever punishment it may be. And then less than two months later, you do the exact same thing. Two weeks after saying you would work on yourself. And again, you do the exact same thing as what you got in trouble with before. Yeah, the company's going to have a problem with it. Grizzlies are going to have a problem with that. NBA's going to have a big problem with that. You saw what Adam Silver was saying uh, on ESPN the other day on the NBA's uh, draft lottery show. He seemed shocked and pissed. Adam Silver's a very even keel guy, not like kind of a kind of as a soft, a soft speaking uh, uh, gentleman. You could tell by certain words he used, he's pissed off. He was saying, we just, because he was asked about, hey, was, you know, is this, did you, did, when you when you discussed, when you talked with Ja, did you ever discuss the possibility of if he did something like this again? And Adam Silver basically said, well, in our discussion, I thought we made it pretty clear, he made it pretty clear, he's not going to put himself in this position again. And, and, and Commissioner Silver's like, I took him at his word. And so for him to do it again, I'm, I'm telling you, Silver's going to drop the hammer. And I'm sorry, with all due respect to J.J. Redick and those who are defending Jaw, Commissioner has every right to do that. So, I mean, I, I've said half the season. I've said 41 games. You want to give him the whole season? Give him the whole season. But more seriously, I didn't get a chance to touch on this on Monday, for Jaw off the court. And I thought it, the inside the NBA guys, who we all know that's the best pre-half pre and post-game show in all professional sports, Ernie, Shaq, Kenny, and, and Chuck, they were talking about this on the pre-game show in Boston last night about the John Murray situation, and Kenny Smith brought up a really interesting point that I never thought about. I probably should have, but I didn't. Kenny Smith said, we talk about John Morant's hanging with the wrong people. Are we sure that he's the wrong people that they don't need to be hanging around? My guy Barry mentioned on Monday, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. It's the old, I, I hope I'm not misquoting her. I'm pretty sure it's a Maya Angelou quote. If someone shows you who they are, believe them. And this is now twice in two months that he's done this. We saw his apology, which... Very well was AI generated chat GPT. Someone, man, I'd say the internet's good. Somebody put in like John Morant apology and it was verbatim 
what John Morant's apology was on chat GPT. It's like, uh, John's publicist used <laughs> artificial intelligence put this statement together. Like, that's a new low uh, for them. But more seriously for John off the court. I don't know about y'all. You see it on social media? Because Jaws ja trying to present this image of himself that I've been very vocal about is not him in terms of, bruh, you're not about that life. You came from a middle-class home, two-parent household, seemed like great family. You're in the NBA making a quarter of a bill. This ain't you. Like, you're not, you're not in the streets. Like, that's, that's not who you are. But there are dudes on the streets that are more than welcome. More, more, than, more than welcome, more than willing to welcome John to that life. And not in the way that John would want. I checked a website today. I want to give them credit. It is uh, Drexel University's Urban Health Collaborative. It's where I found this information. Memphis, Tennessee has the second highest gun death rate in America. Memphis. Not Chicago. I think Baltimore was number one. Not Chicago. Not New York. Not LA. Not San Francisco. Not Miami. Not Dallas. Memphis. Long history of crime in that city. Gun crime in that city. And the two times Jaws got in trouble. Matter of fact, of the six alleged or confirmed incidents Jaws been a part of, four of them have involved firearms. Jaw, the last place you want to be doing that is in Memphis. So, this to me is, I don't think we're giving it the attention it deserves we're talking about the Grizzlies. What are they going to do? What's what's Adam Silver's punishment going to be? All of those are important. But I don't think enough attention is being shown on Ja off the court. The impact it could have on him, his family, and everybody in his life. If Ja wants to be a part of this life, that's his right to do so. But I don't think he wants to be. Deep down, not Memphis. Anywhere it's dangerous, Memphis, again, second highest gun death rate in America. I'm a big, as I said earlier in this segment, actions speak louder than words person. I was willing to take Jada's word when he put out a statement two months ago when he got in trouble for having the gun in the strip club in Denver. I said, okay, if he's shown that he's willing to improve, let's give him the space to improve. Who are we to judge? We've all screwed up. Obviously, he's not improved one iota. Only difference is that wasn't a strip club. It was in uh, his, his buddy's car. He's just driving around. That's the only difference. Same situation. IG Live, firearm, I got to see it. I hope Ja, and I'm praying that Ja is able to, whatever it is, get counseling, work on himself. Because I'm starting to wonder, as Kenny Smith said, is it more about the people Ja surrounding himself with? Or is Ja the people or the type of dude that maybe those guys don't want to surround themselves with? I hope he addresses these problems. I genuinely hope he addresses these problems. Because all the, we always hear about what-if stories about athletes, a lot of them involving injuries, but it's the tragic ones that we never, ever want to see repeated. And for Ja, I pray to God that's not the case. Because he's going down a path that could, God forbid, lead him to that. Wishing him the best his family, and all those around him. He's got to get off the streets. Because that ain't who he is. And it dang sure isn't what he wants to be a part of.
I hate to close the show on that note. Kind of a heavy topic. But that's kind of where I'm at. I still think the NBA, if it were me, I'd give them a half-season suspension. If Silver wants to give them more, give them more. But if John Morant wasn't shaken by losing $40 million by not making the NBA, the All-NBA team, because in large part because of the incident in Denver, if the loss of 40 mil didn't shake him, I, the only thing I can figure that might is the NBA taking basketball away from him for a long period of time. And then I think at that point, we'll see where his allegiance and where his love truly lies. Is it with basketball or what basketball can provide for you? Or what you want to provide yourself, what you think you want to provide yourself through basketball? It's an ongoing situation, but I would be truly stunned if the NBA does not drop the hammer on John Morant. That is all the time for today's show. Appreciate everybody for stopping by. I hope my sinuses and everything is more cleared out by tomorrow's show. That's the hope. Was able to make it through today, so thank God. But hope everybody has a great uh, evening. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grids YouTube channel. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. It helps the channel grow exponentially. And again, go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network. Anywhere you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your podcast. And obviously, subscribe on YouTube. And Follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all over the place. Have a great evening, everybody. I got Lakers by 15 tonight. They make the adjustments. Take if you're if you're a betting man, you know, if, if you're if you're like the segment I do every NFL yeah, season. Betting man. Every season, if I were a betting man, take the Lakers and the points. Like that's the easiest bet of the entire NBA playoffs right there. Lakers plus five and a half. They win by 15 outright. They even the series up 1-1, and they win the series in six games. As sick as that makes my stomach saying, but I just got to state what I see. Have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, I talked about it a little bit on this show today, please call your local state representatives and senators to demand change for the horrible problem in America called gun violence. God bless you all. Peace out. Hope the Lakers don't win the title. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.